Amen. Amen, Lord. That's why we're here, to bring you glory. Glory from the saints who've received Christ as your Savior. And Lord, we want you to be glorified. What a beautiful song, Lord. For the Lamb has conquered. And I will preach the gospel. And I can be forgotten, but as long as he gets the glory. Jesus, you're worthy of every tribe and tongue. It's all for your glory till every soul was one, Lord. That's what it's all about. Father, that's what you, son, did on the cross, and we thank you for that, bringing redemption to all men that would believe. So today, Lord, we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. Lord, let our worship be acceptable in your sight. Let the message glorify your holy name. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us in ways that we never could imagine today. So you receive the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I had something here I wanted to read to you. Because I didn't do it justice, you know, what we, uh, since this is Memorial Day, you may be seated, by the way. I have written a, I have written a book, and it's, you know, um, and, and the dedication page is this, and it kind of fits this day, since this is Memorial Day. I dedicated the book to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. You're the most highly exceeding and decorated Honored captain of all times, Jesus Christ, when your fellow workers deserted you, you continued to fight. It was the war of all ages and the battle. He took the hill of Calvary all by himself. There he clashed with the enemy of all mankind. And within hours, he crushed the enemy's head, shattered his teeth, ripped out his claws. He fought to the end with only his words, which stand forever. With his very last breath on that hill, the war of all ages was won. To him all men owe a debt that we could never repay. Our spiritual freedom and our eternal life were accomplished there for those who believe in him. So this day, this is Memorial Day. I want you to, you know, I've, I've lost friends in Vietnam, but Jesus is the highly decorated warrior of all time. He fought with just words, his word, which stand forever. So we want to praise the Lord for that. To you be the glory, Lord. For those of you who just tuned in online, you're listening to Freedom Church on of the Palm Beaches, and we're glad you're here. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, Pastor Brett Haynes, missionary evangelistic pastor, you know, uh, in the mission field, and uh, I'm proud to say part of this church, and uh, well, he's going to come up and speak to us, and you're going to see that his motto is the same as Freedom Church's motto. It's all about Jesus here. If you don't like the name of Jesus, you won't like it here. Okay, Brad, come on up. We're going to pray for you. And I need to change 
Mike has another one in here. Okay. We're going to pray for Brett Stokes. Now reach out your hands, okay? Father, we're coming to you in Jesus' name, Lord. Brett, this young man is all about you. Father God, this is the generation of tomorrow. And Lord, he's all about Jesus, Lord. Him and his family, his wife and children, his mother, his father, everything about him, his brothers and sisters, they're all about Jesus, Lord. So today, I pray that I know that he's already anointed, and we thank you for that. But, Lord, I pray that the anointing show through to all of us here today, that, uh, that as he speaks and as your word is empowered by your Holy Spirit, and, Lord, let you receive all the glory. It's not about us. It's about you. In Jesus' name, amen. How are you doing today? Switch mics for a sec. How's everybody doing this morning? I greet you in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And uh, today I'm going to have the honor to share the Word of God with you, to give an update, to give a testimony of what God did out in Africa and what God is doing all over the world. It's always my joy to bring the good news. Amen. In the, I believe it's in the Proverbs, but it says that he who brings good news from a far off country is like he who brings water to a weary soul. You know, we all need good news. Uh, and we just, I thank God I have this amazing uh, testimony to bring back to you guys today. I want to start quickly by just um, reading Psalm 126. If you have your Bible, you could turn there and I'll give you a second to get there. How's everyone doing this morning? Everyone feel good this morning? So we say in Africa, this is something we always ask everywhere we go. And uh, Ryan, evangelist Reinhard Bunke used to always ask this at every crusade he did all over the world and everywhere he went. So it's uh, it goes like this. Are you happy? Are you happy this morning? And that's a big thing in Africa, you know. We always say, are you happy? And it brings joy to people. And, of course, the word blessed in the Bible means happy. So if you're not happy this morning, I don't know if the blessing of the Lord is upon you, but when the blessing of the Lord is on you and His oil runs down your, your brow, it will bring joy. It will bring happiness. Amen? And so, are you happy? Amen. Amen. There we go. <laughs> that was a better response. They love it in Africa. So yeah, I'm just going to pray real quick again. I know we prayed a few times, but you can never pray enough, amen. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And before we read the word of God, I want our hearts to just be really in tune with what God wants to share with us and say to us today. And, uh, you know, these testimonies, they're not, understand guys, the, the whole Bible is one big testimony, that's, that's what the Bible really is. It's the testimony of God. In Revelation, it says this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
You know, these are the words of God. These are the works of God. These aren't just words on a page. These aren't just history lessons. This is God's nature on display. This is God's character being revealed. This is God's heart being exposed to the earth, to mankind who's lost in the darkness, who doesn't know God. This is God's testimony to us. And when we share testimonies, you know, it says in Revelation how, how the, the saints will overcome the beast, the enemy, the devil, by the word of their testimony, by the power of the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. So, you know, testimonies has power, guys. Testimony has great power because it's the work that God has done in your life, in other people's lives. When you share a testimony, it will build faith in other people's lives. Why do you think uh, when Jesus would go to the town of Samaria or go to the different villages and all the people were flooding to him for healing, for deliverance, it's because they heard a testimony of someone else that he healed. They heard a testimony of someone else that Jesus touched or they touched him and they were changed forever and their faith was arisen. Their strength arose and they said, I will go to that man. I, when the blind man heard Jesus was coming into his town, how do you think he knew to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me? He never saw Jesus. He never met Jesus, but he heard. It was a blind man and he heard the word of God. He heard the testimony of what God did in someone else's life. And then he heard, here comes the Messiah. He's passing by you right now. And he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, don't forget me. Don't pass me by. You see, there's power, guys, in testimony. These aren't just stories. And I, I kind of I hate to say hate, but I hate when I share things that God's doing all over the world. And people like... They look at me like in this kind of uh, uh, bliss, like if it's, if it's some type of a fairy tale story or it's some type of thing that God only does in Africa. This is the work that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God in America that He is in Africa. He doesn't change. He doesn't change, guys. Amen. The thing is, we were sharing this yesterday, we've become so familiar with Jesus in America. We become so familiar with the things of God. And that's a dangerous place. The thing that Jesus went to his hometown and, and few miracles were done there. The reason wasn't that Jesus lost his power, amen? The reason wasn't that Jesus was somehow different in his hometown, amen? It's that the people were so familiar with Jesus that when he went to all these other villages and cities and he preached the good news and he healed the sick and he set captives free everywhere he went, but he came home and they're like, oh, but that's just Jesus. That's just the carpenter's son. It's just another Sunday morning. I'm going to church. You see how it goes? Just another day, we're going to go and sing a song. And it becomes this routine this ritual, this familiar thing that we just do culturally, and we lose the reality of God in our lives, guys. It wasn't that Jesus had no power. It's that few people came to him and believed in him in his hometown. That was the problem. It was their unbelief. It was their familiarity with the things of God. Remember when the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the presence of God, they carried it in the Old Testament, and, and then uh, the Ark was about to fall off the cart right, in the story in the Old Testament, and they, they, they tried to touch the ark and, like, save it, and they died. 
Because they became comfortable around holy things. They became familiar with the, the presence and the power of God that they lost the fear of the Lord. They forgot to fear God, that he's holy, he's almighty, he's powerful. And they touched the ark and died. And this is the danger we are in in America. This isn't, I'm not bashing or trying to bring the, the, the hammer down yet. That'll come later. But I'm just saying, you know, guys, we have to understand what we're about to do right now. You know, we're, sometimes I forget. I mean, I do this for a living, so I forget what I'm about to do. And I humble, like, just, just in worship, I had to humble myself before God. God, I'm about to share the word of God. The word of the living God. Who am I to speak the thing that the, the words of God, to be a messenger for Christ? It is a holy thing. And if we don't approach it in that way, we'll lose what God is going to do in our hearts, guys. So let's just pray before we open the scripture. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you that this holy creator of the universe, you're so humble and gentle in heart, Lord. You came with grace and truth. Jesus, you said the, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for the holy place of Calvary where you where you took our place and you shed your blood for us. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb that was shed for not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. We just plead the precious blood over this time, Lord, over our lives, that you will cleanse us, Lord, of all unrighteousness. You said if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just. You are faithful to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, anything we've done or said this week that we've gotten out of, out of step or out of sync with you, God, we just want to align our lives with your will right now. We just want to hear your heart. We want to hear the sound of heaven today. We want to hear the word of God. And I am just a man, oh, Lord. I have nothing to share. Nothing good comes out of me. But, Father, when you touch these lips, let your word go forth. Touch hearts. Change our hearts today, God. Break I just believe there's walls that are going to be broken down in the name of Jesus. There's going to be unbelief that's going to be shaken off of us in Jesus' name. All of us, God, including my life. That when the word of God is spoken, as the prophet Ezekiel declared life over the dry bones, the army of God, the body of Christ will begin to rise again. And so, Lord, we just invite you. We invite you here today. We invite your holy presence and we thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do in our lives. And give you all the glory, all the praise. We just ask, Holy Spirit, as we say in Swahili and Africa, Ronta Katifu, come Holy Spirit, and fill us, Lord. Fill us with fire. Fill us with a burning desire to see your glory, to see your kingdom come, and your will be done, God. That's not a prayer for missionaries. That's a prayer for every single believer, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, on earth, God, in our life, in our generation, as it is in heaven, God. That we would see your works and sing a new song of praise. 
that we would see your power, Lord, as we read about in the days of old and we hear the testimonies today. God, stir us, Father. Stir us deep within our souls and awaken those dreams and visions, those things, God, that you said in the last days you'll give you the young men visions and the old men dreams. And there are things that have not been fulfilled yet in our lives. Everyone here, there are things that are not yet complete. That's why we're still here. If our work was done, we'd be gone. So, Father, stir us and awaken those things in us, the gifts, the callings that you've placed in our hearts, that we would fulfill the work that you gave us to do, just like your son Jesus did. And in his holy name we pray. Amen. So I want to share, let's read Psalm 126, if you have your Bible. It's an amazing psalm. I'm going to read the first three verses. So it says, When the Lord brought back the captives, or the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was filled with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Hallelujah. Again, I ask you, are you happy? Are you glad this morning? You see, I have a testimony to share with you of the great things the Lord has done among the nations. But it's such an interesting psalm. It's talking about when the Israelites, they were captives, and the Lord will bring them back from their captivity to Zion, which is His holy nation, His holy hill. And it says, we were like those who dreamed. We were like those who dreamed. You see, when you're in bondage, and you're in prison, or you're enslaved to sin, or what they were enslaved to was Babylon, and different uh, uh, wicked nations, and you get set free. You see, when you're enslaved, you dream of being free, right? You dream of smelling the fresh air. You dream of running the open field and being a free man. And when God brought them back, they were like those whose dreams were fulfilled. And their mouth, it says, the Bible says, their mouth was filled with laughter. That is biblical. And their tongue with singing. They were singing songs of joy. They were singing songs of exuberance. If you go through the songs, there's great sorrow, great pain in some of the, the, the songs, right? But then there's, there's these great songs of joy and praise. And I'll tell you, man, we got some good worship teams these days, but I don't think there was any worship team like Israel. When, they got, when the Lord broke free in Israel, they used to know how to dance and sing and praise and shake and the tambourine. They used to play everything, every instrument known to man. And they would sing for joy. They would have celebrations for weeks at a time, guys. We go for one or two hours Sunday and we're tired of celebrating Jesus, you know. We'll do that next week. They'll go for weeks at a time. Because the Lord had did, has done great things for them. You see, the great things the Lord's going to do for us and has done for us, we need to celebrate those things, guys. We need to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. Amen. The faithfulness of God, the works of God, the, the deliverance. We sang a bunch of songs. I was taking pictures of it 
because I was read I wanted to read this psalm and I was listening to all the songs we were singing and they were exactly like this psalm the songs we were singing this morning they were talking about you know you set us free from our exodus Lord you delivered us you delivered the exodus of our hearts and hallelujah God you have done great things hallelujah you set the captives free we were singing these songs right but does that what does that mean to you have you been set free have you seen the deliverance of the Lord because when you see these things and you experience them in your own lives you can't help but rejoice amen and in verse 4 I'm going to read verse 4 through 6 then I'm going to go into our Africa testimony here so in verse 4 the writer of the psalm says bring back our captivity or those who are captive O Lord as the streams in the south for those who sow in tears shall reap in joy he who continually goes forth weeping bearing his bag of seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him what an amazing psalm this psalm the reason i read this this psalm became kind of our anthem it became kind of our theme for our trip to africa how we were like this group of evangelists and people from all over the world and we came together with a dream we came together with a dream to see thousands upon thousands even millions come to christ we had a dream to see the deaf ears open and the blind see we were dreamers we were like reading the bible and actually believing god could do it again amen we were like god you did this before and you're the same yesterday today and forever do it again oh lord and we spent three months preparing ourselves before the lord sanctifying our hearts studying the word of god preparing ourselves to preach the gospel to pray for the sick to minister to those that we're going to encounter and let me tell you guys we were seeing this happen in orlando florida we were going to every week we were doing outreaches in orlando we weren't just doing this in africa we were preaching to thousands of people in, in orlando florida and we saw hundreds come to christ in orlando people coming out of wheelchairs and walking in florida this is not africa god this is god of the whole world this is the god of all nations he has done great things among the nations guys he's the lord of the whole earth he's the one who shed his blood for all mankind and we were preparing ourselves and we were dreaming and there was prophecy and there was all these things spoken over us and then we go out and we wept and we prayed and we fasted a lot of us this beginning of this year we did a 10-day fast me and uh, the great harvest ministry team praying and sowing in tears lord we want to see souls saved lord we want to see we don't care what's happening in the world we don't care about this pandemic i will preach the gospel and die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory god that's what we live for guys this is what the church exists for lord help us fill us with power we need a fresh filling yesterday's bread will not suffice yesterday's manna is not enough we need fresh bread from heaven every day guys you see jesus is the bread that came down from heaven and you can eat from his table every morning you wake up and you can be filled with his holy spirit every day you breathe 
The Bible in Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a continual, a continual filling. That's a daily filling. And then we were filled and we went out with our bag of seed for sowing. And the amazing thing I love about this, this psalm is when you go out sowing the seed, the seed we know is the word of God, according to the parables of Jesus, right? It's not your financial seed. We're not asking for your financial seed this morning. It's the word of God. We got to sow the word of God. And we went out with our bags full. We, we spent three months filling up our bag with seed. And then we went out to sow. And I love what the scripture says. It says, if you go out, those who sow in tears and those who go out ready, right? They're bearing their, their bag of seed. This one translation says it means you're, you're, you're carrying the word of God. You're ready to sow it wherever you go. And in the parable, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but in the parable of the seed and the sower, you guys all know this parable, the, the one that Jesus gave us, right? And the, he, the sower went out and he sowed the seed. And there was the four different types of soil, the hard ground, the shallow soil, the rocky, uh, the, thorn, the seed that fell among the thorns, and then the seed that fell on the good soil. And you see the picture in the Old Testament uh, that, that sowers in the agricultural society had was this. They didn't kind of go out and do the farming and agriculture the way we do it. How, you know, we buy a field and we, we have all these nice systems and mechanisms and, you know, fertilizers and they plow the field with this big machine and then they sow the seed and they throw all this chemical on it and then we got all these hybrid crops. We eat these giant fake fruits, you know, and they, they had one thing. They had a bag of seed and they prayed for rain. That's it. They, they had to trust in God. And they had a little, you know, plow tool. That's all they could uh, use. So they had to get their bag of seed, go out into a field, and wait for the rain. So they would wait for the rain to come. And when the rain came down from heaven, God would send rain on the land. They would grab their seed so their seed would be ready and waiting for the rain as soon as the rain would come they get the bag son get the bag and they'd go out and they'd start throwing their seed all over the ground that's kind of how they did agriculture back then and they didn't have all these systems and amazing things like i said we have today so they didn't know where the seed would actually grow they didn't know who and this is the picture guys we're supposed to just go out and sow the word of God and the gospel everywhere. You see, because you don't know who's going to hear the gospel and get saved today. You don't know. A lot of times we think, oh, this homeless guy, we're going to go. Uh, we invite you guys today. We're going to go to downtown Palm Beach right after this and plow the field and sow the gospel to the, the homeless, the homeless ministry of Herb called Street Soldier, right? And we're going to sow the gospel but a lot of times we get in this mentality, oh, you know, the poor, the homeless people, they're, they're ready to hear the gospel. But then you see a rich businessman walking down the side of the street. Oh, he's hard-hearted. Uh, he's not going to listen to me. So you don't sow the gospel. But guess what? You don't realize sometimes the homeless man's heard the gospel a hundred times and he's hard-hearted. And the businessman just got, went through a divorce and he's losing his job and he's suicidal. He's ready to give up on life. And he's more open. You don't know. So you're called to sow the gospel everywhere. Some seed will fall on bad ground. Unfortunately, 
if Jesus did it and it happened, so will we, right? Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Some people's hearts are just hard. Some people's ground is just tough, man. They're just rebellious. They don't want the Lord. They love their sin. They love their darkness. That's the verdict Jesus said. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yet this is the verdict. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Yet men love darkness rather than the light and fear that their evil deeds will be exposed, so they stay in the darkness. They love their sin. That's just the fact. That's the sad. People uh, say, you know, oh, why, you know, you're going out and preaching to all these millions of people. How many are going to get saved, and who's going to disciple them, and how do you know who's going to get saved? Look, I don't know. I'm just called to go out and preach the gospel. God knows whose hearts are ready. Amen, guys? We're just sowers, and it takes the weight off of you. You know, you're not supposed to know. We're not supposed to figure out who's the elect and who's not. God has that book in heaven. It ain't in my house, I'll tell you that much. I don't know whose names are written in that book till we get there. So we go out and we sow. And the good news about that parable, I love, this is actually Matt, one of Matt's teachings. The good news on that parable is even though there's hard ground, there's rocky ground, eventually, eventually, if you keep sowing, if you keep sowing the gospel, the word of God, there is some seed that will land on good soil. There's some seed that will eventually land on good soil. And what will happen? You will reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest, some 30, 60, 100 fold. And this is what the scripture says in Psalms. Those who go out sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them, guys. You see what I'm about to show you? It comes from years and years of sowing the gospel. It comes from years and years of prayer and toil and not giving up when times get tough, and not seeing harvest, not seeing fruit, not seeing the dream fulfilled. Who was it? Thomas Edison that made the light bulb. He had the vision of having light in the night and making this bulb, and he failed how many times? It was thousands of times, right? Over and over he tried, and he couldn't get the job done. But he didn't really fail. He didn't win a thousand something times, but he learned something new, right? Every time. And he adjusted just a little bit, and he kept working at it, and he kept going, and then eventually he created the light bulb. You see, we have to keep on keeping on, like my old pastor used to say, guys, being faithful, and then you will see the harvest come in. You're going to see your own dreams, guys, and your own calling fulfilled. It's not, it's not a hard thing, guys. God is faithful, and he will do what he said he's going to do, Amen. He will fulfill what he says he's going to fulfill. So I want to start the pictures here, and I'm going to show you what happened in Africa. This was one school that we went to, guys. You can't even see all the children, all the youth. There was hundreds upon hundreds of children. And we were going, and you see all these young women here. These are Muslim women that have the head coverings on. This is a school, this is actually a public school in Africa, and it's mixed. So I want to give you guys, before we do the whole slideshow, just an understanding. So we went to Tanzania, Africa. We had a hundred evangelists from all over the world, 
and we went in five groups of 20. And we went to five different cities of Tanzania, the five major cities. And we split up into these groups, and we went out with our bag of seed for sowing. And we did two types of outreaches mainly. We went out on gospel trucks. We had these big gospel trucks, and it's basically like a mobile church. And we would go everywhere to marketplaces, to uh, streets, to villages. And then other teams and other days we would go to schools. And you guys have to understand, this is, a, this is primarily a Muslim country. It's about 60% Muslim. The, the capital city is called Dar es Salaam. I mean, it's a full-on Muslim city. We flew into Dar es Salaam, and there's mosques everywhere. Every night you hear the 3 a.m., 6 a.m., you know, they do the five-time the, the five prayer thing. And we're reaching, and, and what, understand, guys, when we went to Tanzania, it was in the middle of Ramadan. Do you guys know what Ramadan is? It's the most holy month of the Muslim faith where they fast for 30 days. They, a lot of them take a pilgrimage to Mecca. That's their most holy site. And guys, we were in the middle of Muslim cities, of a, of a Muslim country primarily, in the middle of Ramadan, preaching the gospel and sowing the seed and seeing hundreds upon hundreds of Muslims come into Christ, guys. This is incredible. This is the works of God. You know, team, some of our teams got stoned. We had a woman on a gospel truck in a Muslim village. Little uh, Afri uh, African-American fireball for Jesus, man. I mean, these, these are like the thoroughbred evangelists of today. And these giant stones, I'm talking like they will knock you out and kill you type stones, start getting hurled right at her as she's preaching. And she got filled with even more joy. She said, I'm not getting off this truck and I'll never stop preaching this gospel. I don't care if you kill me. I know where I'm going, but you don't. And you guys need this gospel. I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. And these stones are getting hurled at her, guys. This was no joke. A lot of us got sick. One of our teams got kicked out of one of the five cities. They had to go to a whole other city because they got kicked out of the city. So we're going to these schools. And so what we would do is we would go in very, you know, Jesus said, you got to go in wise as a serpent, right? And harmless as a dove because I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So we'd go into these schools and you'd have to talk to the headmaster, which is the principal. In Africa, you got to get to the top to get the authority, to get the permission. And we would go in as a, as a team and we'd talk to this headmaster and they'll say, well, what are you here to do? And we'll tell them, you know, we're going to talk to your students. We would let them know we're believers, we're Christians. But we'd tell them, we're here to talk to your students about making good choices. They're young. They need to understand. We have a testimony we want to share. And as a foreigner, you know, there's some type of interest there. There's some type of mystery why you're there. And why would you come all the way to this village, to this school in the middle of nowhere? And they would ask you these questions, and we would tell them, we want to tell them our testimony, and we want to tell them about making good choices. And so we would get the permission to go in, and they would just ring a bell. And hundreds and thousands of kids would just come running out to the soccer field or the meeting place. And you'd be standing in front of 1,000, 3,000, 5,000 young people, and they're just staring at you, ready to hear the gospel. Most of them Muslim. And we would just start sharing our testimony, and then we would just preach the gospel. We would start bringing the gospel. So I want to show you a couple more of these places we went. This is my brother Josh. 
if you guys can see on the screen. This is a man who was formerly a Muslim himself. He's a former Muslim, a radical. He was, uh, he was practicing to become an imam. Him and his father were radical Muslims. And this young man got saved. He had a radical encounter with Jesus. He led his whole family to Christ. And now he's an evangelist. This was, a, this was like a very dense Muslim school he went to. You see pretty much everyone there is Muslim. And he was preaching his testimony and telling them about Jesus. And, you know, we would come in wise, but by the end, man, we were ripping the gospel. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way to the Father. And, you know, sometimes they would hate us. But we would say, hey, we told them we were talking about choices, right? And we would tell them, we're here to tell you how to make the best decision of your entire life. You need to give your life to the Lord. You need to know where you're going for eternity. You need your sins forgiven. And so some of the teachers just were so in love with us after, like, why would you come here and give, you know, and, and risk? Because they know it's a risk. Why would you do this for us? And others hated us. They never wanted to see us again. But we had that one opportunity to preach the gospel. And you know what I would say, guys, is we saw such tremendous harvest. So he was preaching. There was about a thousand. Uh, uh, this was a, like a preteen teenager. This was like a high school, middle school here. And we would see normally, normally 80 to 90% of them after hearing the gospel, and they know the risk of giving their life to Christ, trust me, we would see 70 to 80% of them give their life to Jesus. Normally at each school we went to. You can go ahead to the next one. This was another school. We had our, our Brazilian evangelist, Isabella. She was sharing the gospel, doing one of the, the biblical stories. She was hiding like when Adam sinned, he hid from God. She was hiding behind the interpreter there. And they're just, they're just hungry. They're, they're locked in. They're listening to the gospel. They need eternal bread. You can go to the next one. It was hard to even get some of these pictures. This was a massive school. There was about three to 4,000 kids at this school. Children, pre-teens, uh, pre and teenagers, and they just came flooding out of everywhere. And this was one of the, the biggest harvests we saw. We saw around three to 4,000 people get saved that day. Go to the next one. You see them all raising their hand? This was when we did the altar call, and it was time to receive Jesus. You see them all? Like 90%, almost 100% of them. This was me preaching at another school. This is them making the decision to follow Christ. So pause here for a sec. This was an all-women's school. There were so many. I mean, it was a huge circle. I was trying to get a good picture of it. But there was about 1,500 all-teenage women. Muslim, Catholic, Christian. This was a mixed public school, and it was all-women and it was so beautiful. All these women came around in a huge circle. And uh, we had one of our, our women uh, ladies sharing the gospel. And Josh prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. And we saw a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that place. There was so much joy. You can go to the next one. This was actually an all-Catholic school, okay? So we were going to different schools all over the country. This was an all-Catholic school. So they all come out. You know, they're all formal. They're all in line. And these guys heard the gospel. 
And you know, a hundred out of a hundred of them gave their life to Jesus. A hundred out of a hundred of them. Hallelujah. Guys, this is harvest joy. This is the great things the Lord is doing. This is the, if you keep sowing, if you keep preaching the gospel, being faithful, you will find good ground eventually, guys. You will find ripe harvest fields. Go ahead to the next one. This was an all, so this school was one of the most unique and difficult schools it was to get in. It was a supernatural thing. Again, in the middle of Ramadan, this was an, so the public schools that were kind of mixed were a little easier. They were still difficult, but they weren't as hard as like an all-Muslim school. This was an all-Muslim school. You see everyone there is Muslim. And there was 300 students, all Muslim, and um, we're not really even allowed to like take pictures of their faces and put it on public social media. So I'm just showing you guys this photo. I'm not even allowed to like show this stuff on social media. But so here's the picture in the back. Look at this. And about 80%, go to the next one, sorry. Look at all these Muslim women. About 80% of these Muslims that day gave their life to Jesus Christ. And you know, it was so incredible, guys. We, it was a miracle we got into that school. Everyone there was Muslim. The lead, the principal, the headmaster was a Muslim. I, it's, like, it's like miraculous how God gave us favor to even get into these places, guys. This is the darkness. This is going into the ends of the earth. This is going into places where they will stone you. And they, when we left this school, we had other teachers coming out, and they were angry. They were like, a, our, our driver happened to be Muslim. We had Muslims everywhere, Muslim drivers, Muslims at the hotel that were getting saved. And they were coming out and persecuting him. They're like, you are a Muslim brother. Why are you going around with these Christians taking them to preach this gospel? They were angry. But we sowed the seed, and we saw a great harvest. And the power of the gospel, guys, I understand that there needs to be uh, discipleship and follow-up, and many of you are concerned, and, you know, what's going to happen to these people? And these are deep questions that we always need to ask, and these are biblical commands, you know, to make disciples. But let me tell you guys something. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher, amen? The Holy Spirit of God is the best teacher. The Lord himself will become their God. When they receive the seed, the deposit of the Holy Spirit, he will change their lives, guys. A lot of times we can't go back into these places. You know, it's like this one opportunity you have. And you got to rip the gospel and sow the seed and plow this field. And the Lord will send someone to water it. The Lord is faithful. And you know, my friend Josh, I was telling you about, he was in a, a radical Muslim family, practicing to be an imam, a leader in the Muslim religion, a radical. And he got saved in that family. Well, he didn't tell his father for almost two years. He was, you know, because they have to deal with everything now. Their whole life is at risk. Their whole family's uh, uh, shaken. But he was leading his brothers and sisters to Christ behind closed doors. And then his father found out he was a believer. You know what his dad did? His dad kicked him out of his family. He didn't see his family for years. And he's just being reconciled to his dad now because his dad received Christ. So, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is going to help them. And every time we preach the gospel at these schools, we have a moment where we pray for the Holy Spirit. Because we know, we know we're going to leave. We know maybe someone else is going to water, but they need the Holy Spirit. Amen? So they receive Christ, and we pray. We take a five-minute uh, moment where we teach them who's the Holy Spirit, and we pray. And it's so beautiful. We'll have like a moment of just silence. And it's so holy. 
and you could feel like sometimes it was just dead air and then you'd feel a wind just come into the place and people will get filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, demons would start crying out of some of these girls and guys. You would have to pull them to the side, take them to a classroom, set them free. People would start just getting filled with joy, speaking in tongues. And these are Muslims, guys. This happened in these schools. And, and the teachers were like, what is going on, you know? It was the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit was touching people's lives. You see, because when he marks you, when he marks you, he becomes your Lord. He becomes your everything. Jesus said when the, when the Spirit, the Helper comes, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. So we know if we give them the gospel and they receive the Holy Spirit, they're going to be all right. Amen. And the, the Lord will lead them just like he did my friend Josh. He will take them out of the mosque. My friend Josh used to go to the mosque all night and seek Allah. But when the Holy Spirit came into his life, he started going to church on his own. So this is what we believe. We believe in the power of the gospel. That it is not, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to complete the work he begins. So you can go to the next one. This, let me tell you this story real quick. This was so amazing. This was a village. This was a, so we had gone to the city. My team, we'd gone to the city of Dodoma, Tanzania. You can't even see, but this was the largest uh, youth or children's or youth crusade we did. Now, let me tell you the story. We had gone to this village in the middle of nowhere. So this was at the end of our trip. And talk about, let me tell you about a ripe harvest field. We had preached uh, about three weeks. We were in, the, in Dodoma, and we were there, you know, going to all the public schools we could, pretty much all the major schools at that point we had already gone to in that city. So by the end of our trip, and we were in one city, remember, we were all around the whole country in five different cities. My team was in Dodoma. By the end of the trip, we couldn't even find a school that we hadn't gone to. You guys see? And we had plowed that city, and we calculated the amount, because every day, they're very strategic, this ministry. The leader was German. He's very calculated. People doubt their numbers. They think their numbers are ridiculous. Oh, we've led 80 million to Christ. They are very, very calculated and honest and fair. When we go to these crusades, and there's 3,000 people, and 100% of them raise their hand, we only put 70% on, on record, because we're trying to put out honest numbers how many were actually leading to Christ. So their, their, their reputation, they're such a ministry of honor and honesty and integrity. It's unbelievable. And so we went, we couldn't find a school that we hadn't hit yet. And we found out at the end of our city, we reached over 25% of the population of that entire city with the gospel, guys. And this is the new capital of Tanzania, Dodoma. We reached 25% of the capital of, the, of Tanzania, Africa, guys, in one mission trip. Can you believe that? That's what the, the army of God can do, guys. When we come together, when we unite, and we arise and awake unto our calling, and we fight for the cause of Christ together, and we put aside all of our silly, you know, silly side jobs, and we be about the Father's business, this is what can happen. We reached almost half of the city, guys. It was incredible. So we go to this little village. 
This is the last school we could find. It took us three hours to get there. If you saw this school, it would blow your mind. It was like the most beat up little thing you'd ever seen. And we get to this place, okay? I wish I could show you the video, and I'll maybe do that later for some of you who want to see it. There was like 25 little kids sitting right in front of that building. And we're like, you know, praise God, we found the school. We were searching for the school for three hours. And so we finally get out there. We're tired. It's at the end of our trip. And we're like, you know, praise God, there's 25, you know, kids. Let's preach the gospel. So we start setting up our, our speaker. And under this tree, understand, we're in one of these, like, you know, backyard kind of uh, boonies type of towns. This big tree here, this is where they practice the witchcraft. Okay. And there, we knew it because there was all these burnt objects underneath the tree and, you know, you know all that stuff. So this is, this is the center of this little village in the middle of nowhere. It looked like there was ten huts in this place. And this massive tree here where they do witchcraft. And we talked to the headmaster. We said, hey, can we preach to your 25 students here? They said, absolutely. Go for it. And as we're preaching the gospel, this is the Lord of the Harvest, guys. We hear this something like an African stampede of animals coming in our direction. And we hear like this chanting, hey, nah, hey, nah, hey, nah, 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 what is going on? And we're in the middle of nowhere. You're not expecting all these people. What we didn't know was the Lord had set us up to go to this little school in the middle of nowhere. There were seven schools in the area all in the surrounding area that were doing an event together and they just finished their event and they were walking in our direction on the way home and there was i mean guys this photo doesn't even do justice there was like thousands we couldn't even calculate some people were like five thousand six thousand seven thousand three we didn't even know it was just so many you know kids youth teenagers adults the teachers were and they're like what is this group of foreigners doing here with a speaker in the middle of nowhere preaching so they all just start coming over and we had to restart the whole you know ministry and we're waiting for literally 30 minutes for this massive harvest to come in and they're standing there so here we are you know four or five thousand people and it started with 25 and we're under the witchcraft tree and we preach the gospel of jesus and you know what happens salvation healing deliverance it was so incredible what we saw guys this was one of my favorite moments and i have a video of it i'm on facebook and i'm like look at all these kids they're just coming out of nowhere and there's like a stampede of dust behind them you know they're just running into this area it was so incredible and uh, you know when i saw that you have to know it was a work of god that that we as this team of foreigners got all the way to africa that we got all the way to this little village right at the appointed time that thousands upon thousands of kids were going to come to that location and teenagers and adults and Muslims and witch doctors and hear the gospel. And, and it was so incredible to see the work that God did. Go ahead, Matt. Now look. Oh, I, I thought I had a picture of all of them raising their hand, but pretty much that whole crowd, 80, 90 percent of them gave their life to Jesus in this this outreach we did. So let's just praise God for this.